0: This morning we'll be in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 22, 39 through 42. We'll actually be there for the next four weeks preparing ourselves for Easter, Luke 22, 39 through 42, if you want to get there. We'll be there in a few minutes. So this morning I want you to think about the best teacher that you ever had, okay? Okay? Maybe it was an elementary school, maybe it was a professor in college, maybe it was a ski instructor up on the mountain, uh, maybe it was a mentor or a coach. Get somebody in mind that you say best teacher ever. For me, it was Miss Rotschafer. She she was my fifth-grade teacher. Uh, she challenged me. She she never let me kind of get away with things. She always held me to a very high standard. She always told me I needed to give a little more effort. And she had this line. She always said this to me. You can do it better, Brian. You can do it better, Brian. And all these years later, I look back. I miss Roth Schaefer and her words to me. And, and I think about those words. You can do it better, Brian. See, um, what's interesting about Ms. Rochefer and maybe what's interesting about um, the person you have in mind is probably not that they just taught you something intellectually. It's probably that they were formative in who you are now. It's probably that they they came to your life, they challenged you, they encouraged you in a way that you maybe never had seen before, a light you had never seen yourself in before. And that teacher, they called you up to something more, and you didn't just learn something in your mind, you learned something in your heart, and you learned something in your life. And in this series, Jesus in the Garden, Prayer in the Garden, we want to... Look at the ultimate teacher of prayer, Jesus. And I think to some of us, he would lean in and say this. You can do it better. Um, I, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but if I did and, and I said, how many of you wish your prayer life was a little bit better? I bet a lot of hands would go up in the air, right? Right. Uh, My hand would go up in the air, okay, and I'm your pastor. I get paid for this, right? I get paid to pray, so, but I wish my prayer life was better, and that's what we're going to be focusing in on in this series. We're going to be focusing in on the ultimate teacher, Jesus, and what can we learn from him in terms of prayer. For the next four weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to study this very short prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane up on the Mount of Olives. And we'll see that throughout this teaching, Jesus was a man of prayer. He knows everything that we need to know about prayer. He is the ultimate teacher of prayer. So my request as we get into this series is that we would be, we would be good students. Okay? We want to learn from the teacher, and my request would be that we would all be good students, that we wouldn't lean out, that we would lean into this teaching. That we'd maybe, um, there's study questions on the back of your bulletin every single week, that maybe you'd lean into those for the first time. Maybe you'd lean into some habits and patterns that you haven't done before. But that this wouldn't just be head knowledge. This wouldn't just be like trigonometry, which I never used again after I studied it, okay? It wouldn't be like that, but that it would be something applicable to our life, that we would lean in as good students. Because I I, I don't know about you, but I want to do it better. I want to hear the voice of God. Luke 22, 39 through 42. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. Specifically on the Mount of Olives, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. We know from other Um, accounts of this moment. And his disciples followed him on reaching the place. He said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, father, if you are willing, take this cup from me yet, not my will, but yours be done. So what if you knew that tomorrow the world was going to collapse around you? What if you knew that you had a little time left, maybe even be alive? Maybe you got the phone call from the doctor saying you got a week. What if you knew that in those final days that everyone couldn't really handle what you were going to go through and you, you just knew that they were all going to leave you? And that you were going to be utterly alone as you breathed your last breath and died. What if you knew that about this upcoming week? Maybe you've had some, some days that felt like that in your life. Maybe you've had some days where you felt like the sun wouldn't shine. That everything is falling apart and that you couldn't take another step. And here's the encouragement this morning. Jesus has been there. He's been there. Because the context of what we're going to study for these next four weeks are exactly what I described. Jesus is about to engage in his final act here on earth. He's going to the cross. He is well aware of what lays before him. And what is before him is that everyone is going to forsake him. Even his disciples are going to leave him. In the passage just before this, you can go ahead and read this sometime during the week. He talks to Peter and he says, before the, the rooster crows three times, Peter, before before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny, deny me three times, even you, Peter. Every single one of his disciples... We're going to leave him. Everyone was going to leave him. He was going to trial. He was going uh, to be punished brutally. And then he was going to be hung on a cross in the most horrific way that anyone can die. The Romans were perfectionists at this. This is what we're going to talk about on Good Friday. Okay, We're going to talk about how, how the Romans became perfectionists at bringing somebody to the point of death, but not letting them die. And Jesus knows that this is going to happen. He even knows, I I think deeply within his soul, he knows that even the Father himself is going to turn his back on him. We're going to study this in the red letters of Jesus. How Jesus cries out to God, why have you forsaken me? And instead of giving up, instead of throwing in the towel, instead of becoming angry, instead of blaming others, I don't know about you, but when I go through tough times, those are some things that I like to do. I like to blame somebody, throw in the towel, call it a day. Instead of that, this is what Jesus does. He has a painfully, brutally honest conversation. And we call that prayer. So Jesus went out as usual. To the Mount of Olives. This is how it begins. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. So, trigonometry did not serve me well, but Greek actually does from time to time. And there's this cool little phrase in here the moment that Greek actually matters. um, There's this phrase, as usual. And the word here is really important for us to lean into. The word here is ethos, it's ethos in Greek. And so it's been translated as usual, or in other translations, it might be, it might say, as was his habit. But if you think about this word ethos, think about ethos, okay? Ethos, we get the word what? Ethnicity, ethnic, right? It, it speaks to um, kind of our, our family lineage, our heritage. It connects us uh, to who we are. And so it, it says this, Jesus, in this moment of, of deep desperation, of knowing what's coming, he goes out as was his ethos, as was it was what, what he was, who he was. This is the first thing that we can learn about Jesus when we're, thought, when we're talking about prayer. He was a man of prayer. Um, before he selected his disciples, he spent the entire night praying it, it, there's a whole pile of passages. You'll read some of those. If you um, do the study questions on the back, he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. The disciples at one point come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus teaches the Lord's prayer, which most of us probably even if you haven't been to church. You know this one, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know this one, right? In the midst of his busyness, Jesus always found time to pray, to seek out his Father. It was his ethos. It was, it was his habit. It was, it was not unusual. Jesus went out as usual, it says. See, prayer wasn't what Jesus did. It was who he was. It was who he was. It was his ethos. He, he couldn't not pray. Because it was tied to who he was. And I believe that that's what we're being called to as well. Because the passage goes on. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And his disciples followed him. We are a church that says we want to passionately follow Jesus together. That's kind of our, our our vision statement. It's our tagline. It's it's kind of everything we do can be summed up in this little phrase. We want to passionately follow Jesus together. We don't make things real complicated around here. We just say get in relationship with Jesus and see what happens. He's going to make a mess of your life, and it's going to be awesome. Right? We're going to do it together. And in this little passage, Jesus goes out, as was his habit, and then he invites those who follow him to come with him. And his disciples followed him. And so following Jesus means this for us, as it meant for the disciples. It means going to the garden. This is where I want to just take a break and kind of park the car for a while, and we're going to spend some time in this. Jesus, following Jesus means going to the garden. The big question this morning, we're going to spend the rest of our time together, is this. What does my prayer garden look like? What does my prayer garden look like? Um, Jesus goes to this beautiful garden. We've actually got a picture of it. Let me see the, the picture. Of it. There it is. So, this is a picture that Alan Johnson took. Uh, When he went on his trip this past year to Israel, this tree is 2,000 years old, meaning it may have seen Jesus if it had eyes, right? This tree is actually an olive tree. In the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, there's still a garden there. There's actually a church right outside of the garden. You can still go visit that place. This isn't some just like mythical story. There is an actual place on the Mount of Olives called the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is what Jesus's prayer garden looked like, as was his habit, as was usual. This is what he did. He went here to this place. For all we know, he could have known. Oh, boy. He could have knelt under that tree. Thank you, Taylor. And so the big question for us should be, if that's what Jesus' garden looks like, and it looks pretty good, what does our prayer garden look like? Let's take a a simple evaluation. Is it non-existent? Right? Maybe your prayer life is kind of like non-existent. You're like, nah, I don't pray i pray that one prayer when things are going bad and it goes help that's the one i do maybe so maybe it's non-existent except for when things are really going bad Um, maybe for some of us in the room uh, it's overgrown with weeds right in the picture here you can see beautiful flowers and blooms and it's very well manicured and taken care of but maybe you would say man pastor brian if we sat down and we talked about prayer it might be overgrown because i haven't been in there in a while Right, I haven't tended to it. it It hasn't been my habit I mean, I know it was Jesus' habit But it, it's maybe been overlooked for a while Is it rarely visited? Like you've got this beautiful garden This place that you, you, you go Man, I should go visit that more often um, it, Or is it vibrant? And is it growing? Is it full of flowers? Is it full of blooms? Now, as you take that evaluation, I just want to reiterate, we can do better. We can do better, church. And so I want to give us some tangible ways, some tangible things to think about, about how we can cultivate our prayer garden, how we can grow a prayer garden. First, um, we need to find fertile soil. We need to find fertile soil. Soil. I've been reading a pile of prayer books preparing for this series. Well, one of them is Bill Hybels' book, Too Busy Not to Pray. Too Busy Not to Pray. Some people say, I'm too busy to pray. Bill Hybels would say, no, you're too busy not to pray. All right? And Bill Hybels, in, in his book, says he spends chair time every morning at 6 a.m. in his office. This is where fertile soil is for him. He's got a chair in the corner, and he sits in that chair. And he has time with God. He has his journal open. He has his Bible open. He has a cup of coffee in his hand. And he sits in quiet, listening for the voice of God, reading scripture, being honest with God. But he has a special place that's set aside just for him and God, a place for him to to really be honest with God, to be intimate with God. And he's created fertile soil. Uh, Mark Batterson. Or a book called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. He talks in his book about how there's these whispering spots that he has all over the place. These places that inspire him, that are beautiful for him, that he, that he really just feels like something come alive inside of him where he hears the voice of God. Mark Patterson also tells the story, I think I mentioned this story before, um, about Billy Graham. Right, Billy Graham uh, went on a trip when he was in Wheaton College uh, to uh, John Wesley's house. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist movement. And John Wesley was known to be a man of prayer. Also known about John Wesley, what, as his mother was a, a woman of prayer. And a funny story about her was this. Her prayer closet, her prayer garden, if you've ever heard this story, was underneath her apron. So she'd be working and taking care of all these kids and and loving them and cherishing them. But they knew when mom was in that certain chair in the living room and she had her apron up over her head, we didn't bother mom because she was praying. No joke. And what was passed on from his mother was passed on to him and passed on to Charles, his brother. In fact, there are knee holes, indentations in his room, in his house, where he wore holes in the floor from being on his knees praying to God so much. And when Billy Graham went on his trip in college to, to, with Wheaton College, he went into that room and all the other students filed out. And the professor started looking around the bus, counting people, and saying, "Where's Bill? Where's that Bill kid? He's that Billy kid. He's kind of a troublemaker. Where's that Billy kid?" And he couldn't find Billy. And he went upstairs, and he found Billy with his with his knees in John Wesley's knee holes, hands folded, looking up at the sky, and saying, "Do it again, God. Do it again." So we need to find fertile soil. We need to find places where we're inspired. We, we naturally already think we can hear the voice of God. We need to be really intentional about this. Even though I'm talking, I hope that there's some things bubbling up inside of you, some tangible places that you're going, you know what? I've never thought about that, but I'm really inspired when I go sit in that chair or when I go um, sit under that tree or when I go and, and I go to that place you need to find fertile soil. Um, for me, I, I, I just love finding uh, secret spots of prayer. I'm kind of like a, I, I'm like a collector of secret spots of prayer. I don't really know when this all started this habit, but, but it started for me. I, I remember very clearly in college, I used to go into our auditorium, which is also our big chapel. And then there was these big stained glass windows and upstairs you could kind of hide out. Nobody knew that in the balcony, there was just kind of this. Back area, and there was a concrete floor, and the sunlight would come through the stained glass window, and people would come in and play the organ. Sometimes it was inspiring, and sometimes not so much. But, um, and I would sit there and I would pour over the Bible, and I would pray to God, and I would read books, and I just found this special place with God at Whittier College. It was a janitor's closet. Um, I started doing devotions in the basement because Whittier College needs Jesus really, really badly. And um, I knew three, uh, two other Christian guys on the entire campus. I was the third. And so um, it was not like fertile soil. Let's just say that, okay? If you, well, anyway, if you wanted to create other habits, fertile soil. But prayer, not a great place to create fertile soil. And, And so I started sneaking down to the basement and just finding a quiet spot in the basement by the washers and the dryers. And one day the janitor came by and he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Catholic and I see you reading your Bible and I've got a little, little janitor's closet over here with a desk in it. Would you like to use that? And I was like, absolutely. And I remember pouring over the the minor prophets, these really not inspiring books of the Bible. I remember praying for the campus and and asking God, what do you want, God? I don't feel like I belong here. Ultimately, God leading me to saying, this is not a good place for me and I need to go. Um, I have places up here, spots on the mountain. Um, I have a spot that I can ski to that is kind of hidden and it's in the trees and it has a really good view of the Spanish Peaks on a clear day and I'll ski up there with my backpack and everybody thinks I'm like hardcore with a shovel or something and it's actually my Bible (laughs) and a journal in the back and so um, I ski back into this little run and I've got this great view of the Spanish Peaks and I sit there And I listen for the voice of God. I've got a hammock Talked about this before. I've got a hammock that I just wear out every summer. I, I take it down into the canyon, and I take it up into the park, and I bring it with me, and I bring my books with me, and, and I sit there and I ask God, What do you want, God? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? I've turned chairlifts into prayer closets. Anybody turn a chairlift into a prayer closet? Come on now. This is a good place to pray. This is why it's good to ski alone sometimes. You get on that chairlift. You ride up, Challenger Lift, man, that's mine. I ride up Challenger Lift and I get up there, I can see back into the Madison Range and I'm just blown away by God. So what speaks to you? What already sort of feels like a prayer garden for you, a comfy spot in your house with a view, a place on the mountain, a place that nobody knows about, the secret place where you can go to find intimacy, intimacy, Love conversation with your father. You need to find fertile soil. I'm telling you, for some of you, this could be transformational for you to think about. For you to think about a a place that's just your place to go and to be with God. Whatever that is, whatever's coming to mind, just please don't, don't run past that. Journal it down. Jot it down. Make a note of it. Think about it. Pray about it. You need to find fertile soil. Number two, um, you need to check in regularly. So it was Jesus' habit. He did it as usual, right? Um, so, so a lot of times when we have these conversations about prayer, s- some of you say to me, well, how much should I do it, Pastor Brian? Dude, I don't have an answer for you, honestly. I mean, maybe it's morning and evening. Maybe, maybe every morning and every evening, you you need to spend some time with Jesus. Maybe it's daily. You need to spend some time with Jesus. Maybe maybe it's just, you know, you got to take a first step and you're going, I you know, I've never done this thing, Pastor Brian, but like maybe I'll try once once a week that I'll check in with God, that I'll try to go find a fertile soil place and that I'll check in regularly. See, I, I I'm not one of those big um rules kind of guys. Like, if you want simple answers from me eh, on these kind of things, I want to say to you, listen, you need to talk to Jesus about that. You need to ask him how much he wants you to come to the garden. It it probably is more than you think, right? Um, But we need to make this something that is a habit in our life, something that is as usual in our life, something that is important to our life. As I was thinking about this, I, I just couldn't help but think of working out. Okay. Any of you work out? Do a little bit of workout? You do? Like I got this fitness fusion place across from my office, and I can hear the music. If you ever been to my office, it's like boom, boom, two, boom, two, boom, two. and they're not doing yoga apparently at that time of day, right? Every morning, nine o'clock. Is that you, Wendy? At nine o'clock every morning, is that you? That's you. I, I dance with you on the other side of the wall. I totally do. It's awesome. You know what's really interesting about that? I see the same folks come past my window, go into that class on a regular basis. They go to this special place with special equipment, a space that's set aside just to do what they're doing, right? And then they get to see results. They actually get to see what's happening. They become more flexible or more strong. Something's happening with inside of them. They're, 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 even, even their body is changing in ways, right? Their, their heart levels um, get healthier, right? They, they get healthier and stronger and better because they come to this certain place at a certain time and they do it as regular, if you talk to anybody who who does workout or yoga or any of these kind of things, if you're just sporadic in that, if you just show up when you feel like it, you don't show up very much, right? It's that classic thing. Everybody buys gym membership in in December going into January. And then by March, everybody gone, right? You you need to get your gym membership in March because it'll be just empty. It'll be great. But in January, you can't find a place to do a workout because everybody's in there. And I keep coming back to this, I keep coming back to this, I keep coming back to this. Like this could be transformational for us as a church. If we got as serious about this as we did other things in our lives, uh, man, I don't even know what God could do in this church and in our lives. If we got serious about finding a place that we set aside as fertile soil and we went there as usual was our habit. It was part of who we were. It was our ethos. What would it do for us? If you're saying to me, Brian, I don't hear the voice of God and I need to hear the voice of God. Have you put in the time? Have you put in the time? This isn't works righteous. This is this is in response to what Jesus has done. But I just want to be really honest about this. Jesus just didn't do this occasionally. He did this all the time. And so should we. We can do better, church. I can do better. You can do better. We can do better. And this will change your life. If you want to hear the voice of God, you need to get serious about prayer. If you say, I've never heard the voice of God, Brian, you, you need to be in the Bible and you need to be on your knees in prayer. And I guarantee you that you will hear the voice of God. Maybe not audibly, maybe not maybe not like a voice, but you will, you will have a sense of what God is saying to you. You will know how God is leading you. You will be encouraged and challenged and you will not be the same. And so I want to finish with this. I want to finish... By just saying, I want you to make a commitment to this. And, and here's the deal. It's March. And April 1 is Easter, okay? And what I want you to do today, and maybe you do it right now during the next song. Eh, the next song's kind of fun, so you won't have time. But um, maybe after the service today, or at some point this week, can I just ask you to really thoughtfully think through... Write down Make some commitments To one Finding a prayer garden If you don't have a prayer garden Go find yourself a prayer garden Somewhere that inspires you That you can go to Where you just know you're going to hear from God And two Can you commit to going there regularly Can you say you know what I'm coming Monday, Wednesday, Friday Jesus I'm putting it on my iPhone right now And people are going to ask what are you doing From 6 to 7 on Monday, Wednesday, Friday And you say I have a meeting with somebody He's very important, more important than you And they're like who? And you're like don't worry about it It's a secret, it's my, it's my secret I get to go to hang out with him, right Make a commitment To This And if you do it's going to feel like springtime It's going to feel like springtime. Um, God's going to come to life for you in a way that you you never knew He existed. You never knew that He could speak to you. If you commit to this, it's going to transform your life. There are going to be blossoms that come and grow out of that garden that you didn't even know about. Things about yourself that you didn't even know about yourself. Areas where you need to grow that you did not know that you needed to grow. And God is going to make something beautiful something beautiful out of your life. And so I want you to be encouraged. Take this challenge. Make this commitment. Find a prayer garden and then check in regularly with God. I'll end with this. And I want the worship team to come on up and lead us in one last fun song about springtime because it feels like springtime out there. Not really. Um... So I was reading Richard Foster's book on prayer. And he said, prayer is like, prayer is like coming home. So there's a story where the son, the prodigal son, you know, story, he goes off to this faraway land and he, he, acts kind of not the smartest in the world. And he spends everything that the father has given him his inheritance. And then he kind of comes wandering back to the father And the father goes and greets him and brings him into the house and throws him a party. And Richard Foster, in his book on prayer, says that's what prayer is like. Prayer is like coming into the house of the father. That he invites you in to have a conversation with you. To bring you in out of the cold. To get you away from all that sin and junk in your life that's been distracting you from him. To silence all the voices in your head that are telling you lies. And he wants to speak truth. And he wants to speak grace. And he wants to speak love to you. And he wants to dwell with you. So make this commitment. Find a prayer garden. Show up. And see what happens. God, we thank you that you are waiting with open arms. We thank you that you speak to us in different places and in different ways. Thanks that you don't speak to the to the same people in this room the same way. Thanks that you have different spots for each of us. And you have different ways of encouraging us and different ways of speaking to us. And Jesus, I... I just ask that this commitment would become real for us, that for the next month, this month of March, we would commit to finding a place and finding a pattern uh, of spending time with you. And I pray that it would absolutely transform our lives. God, we pray um, this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Please stand and sing one last song.